we have got to talk about the Indianapolis Colts and the overreaction of fans and media to what they saw Saturday night, Saturday afternoon and night in Buffalo. We've got to figure this out. We've got to become sane football fans, sane Colts fans. Can we do it? I think that we can. And I think by listening, you're going to get some guidance that helps you enjoy the preseason just a little bit more and not worry nearly as much. I think we can get that done. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship. I think it's interesting. I wonder what he was thinking. And the next time we get a chance to talk to him, I'm going to talk to him about it and ask him what he felt when Jake Verity missed that extra point attempt. What did he think about that? Did he feel for his friend, his teammate, or did he think, hot damn, I'm a step closer. Hot Rod's coming. Hot Rod made his two kicks. Here I come. I got my roster spot. Did he celebrate or did he mourn for his friend? I think Jack Nicholas and the lessons of Jack Nicholas would will give us a glimpse as to what Hot Rod might have been going through, or at least what he's going to admit to go through. Um, college football rankings are out. Holy moly. You know what? It's same old, same old. Indiana not in the rankings this year. They were in the rankings last year. That proved to be a horrendous mistake from voters. We'll talk about that. Pete Carrill passed away. In his 90s, former coach at Princeton, one of the great minds in the history of college basketball who beat you a different way. Great guy. Like I said, Hall of Famer passes away, and uh, but boy, did we learn a lot about basketball from him. This is Inside Indiana Sports Now with Kent Sterling for Monday, August 15th, 2022, brought to you by the great people at BUSR. You enjoy sports wagering? There's no better place to do it than BUSR. BUSR is going to match your initial deposit up to a grand. How about that? And you deposit a grand, not only are they going to match it up to a grand, what they're going to do is give you 25 casino chips as well. Fantastic stuff. And we'll get more into this as the season goes on. You saw what happened on Saturday. The overpaid and the bills they covered. My rule in the preseason is this. Always, always bet the dog. Because nobody cares about winning. And do you know why people care? don't care about winning? I'll tell you in just a moment. you got to smash that subscribe button. Hit the like button. We're looking for 272 likes today. And if you want to make a donation and ask a question, please feel free to do that. A, a wonderful gesture. I can't tell you how much it's appreciated around here, uh, around the house. Now let's talk about the Colts and how you can enjoy the preseason a little bit more. And that's by understanding that the result of the game doesn't matter a damn to anybody. Not to the Bills, not to the Colts on Saturday. They didn't care who won. What they care about deeply is that the guys who already have a roster spot continue to get better. Frank Reich always says 1% a day. Now that's a lot, because over the course of three months, you should be able to double the quality of your pay. That's not going to happen all the time. But 1% a day is a nice goal to set. There's nothing wrong with that. Did the Colts get better? Did the Colts get wet? They certainly didn't revert, you know, to something. They weren't great. Matt Ryan is, wasn't great, but Matt Ryan isn't paid to be great uh, in August. Matt Ryan is paid to be great in September, October, November, December, January, and hopefully February. How about that? 
We'd like that. Um, what do you have with this offense? That's a good question, Daniel. The first team offense, what you've got is an offensive line that needs to do their job at a high level, and that includes Matt Pryor or Bernard Ryman. Pryor, you got to give the nod to right now. But with Nelson, Kelly, Pitter, and Smith, you got a pretty good offensive line, 80% of a really good offensive line at the tight end position. I think you're loaded. I love the tight ends. I, Mo Ali Cox, Kylan Granson, Jelani Woods, and Andrew Ogletree are terrific in the aggregate. I think they can be the best tight end, perhaps, in the National Football League because Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan isn't a perfect quarterback, but, man, does he know how to exploit the tight end position at the highest possible level. Certainly does. At the wide receiver position, I, I think you are really, really in trouble. I got to tell you the truth. I, I don't like this room. I like Michael Pittman Jr. I like Alec Pierce three years from now, maybe two years from now. I like Paris Campbell if he's healthy. Mm. You know what? That There's a lot to hope for there. Paris Campbell being healthy, guy who's played 15 games in his first three seasons. Alec Pierce, look, his, in his rookie year, Michael Pittman Jr., not great. He was okay for a rookie. You go back to Reggie Wayne, not great as a rookie. Now, T.Y. Hilton was pretty damn good as a rookie, right? It's really hard to be terrific right out of the crate as a rookie in the National Football League. It just is at the wide receiver position. you got to figure out how to get off the line. Now, Frank Reich is going to scheme Alec Pierce open from time to time. They're going to run stacks. They're going to run rubs. They're going to do. Uh, they're going to have motion. They're going to have Alec Pierce in a position where he's not straight up man on man in press coverage, with press coverage winning as often as it doesn't. They're not going to do that. And and so it's going to be better than it would be otherwise. But is it good? Do we know it's going to be good? Do they know it's going to be good? They keep saying, we love the room. You do. Uh, by the way, Mike Strawn, uh off the pup list. So he's going to start practicing again tomorrow. But what can you expect out of a seventh-round draft pick who was held inactive, healthy and inactive, for the majority of his games as a rookie? Des Patman. If Des Patman is going to pop this year, why hadn't he popped before? How, Kiki Kuti, he is hurt. He's got a groin. That's not good to Michael Harris. you got a lot of problems among that wide receiver group, and we've said it forever. They did not address it. I don't know whether they had the means to address it, whether they wanted to go deep, like into their bag of draft picks, to go get a guy like Debo Samuel, who wanted to trade, or DK Metcalf, who reportedly wanted to trade. A.J. Brown was traded. But the Titans were never going to trade him inside the division, ever, ever, ever. The free agents, was there a free agent who wanted to play here that the Colts also wanted? I don't know. Russell Gage goes to the Bucks. Everybody wants to play for the Bucks because they want to catch balls thrown by Tom Brady. Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl rings. That gets the attention of free agents in a way that Matt Ryan and the Indianapolis Colts cannot. They still have some cap room that they can utilize. But where's that cap room going to go 
when Quentin Nelson gets his extension. This year he's going to get $13.8 million. Next year, God knows. Michael Pittman Jr. going to get an extension likely before the 2023 season. Same with Jonathan Taylor, both in the same draft class. In Buffalo, you didn't have Jonathan Taylor playing. He is the critical functionary in that offense. He is the guy that you're going to rely on to move the sticks, to move the ball. He's a quality weapon for Matt Ryan. He makes everybody on the offense better. Play action with Jonathan Taylor is respected at a higher level than it is with Naheem Hines, although the Colts, they worked Naheem over pretty good on Saturday. Eight carries and two receptions. Ten. Ten times he touched the ball. That's a lot. I want to talk about Rodrigo Blankenship for a minute. Because as we were watching the game on Saturday, you saw Blankenship make a field goal, right? Basically a chip shot. What was that? 23 yards. Basically, they were on the six. Some are 23, 24 yards. And then an extra point. But the extra point was kind of biting to the left a little bit, as many of Rodrigo Blankenship's kicks do. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of shaky when he's out on the field. I remember Adam Vinatieri. And Vinatieri, when he's kicking, you think, ah, it's automatic. Now, until that last season, we were almost right to trust Adam Vinatieri. With Rodrigo Blankenship, you don't trust. You're hoping, right? You're like, oh, my God, please make this. Right? The 33-yard miss in Buffalo, we remember that. We were, still remember Mike Vanderjat's misses right, against, what, Pittsburgh and the Chargers? We remember those. But then Jake Verity misses that extra point, and all of a sudden, it's kind of like being in a playoff, right, in a PGA Tour event, and you got uh, your buddy has about a 10-foot birdie putt to win the tournament, and he pushes it right. And you say, ooh, I got life. And so I think of Jack Nicklaus, and Jack Nicklaus you know what his rule was always uh, don't root for the opponent's failure, but don't apologize for winning. You know, if, if, if Blankenship makes his kicks and Verity misses, that's okay. You want to win that job. And sadly, it's going to cost the cost of that is going to be the failure of somebody else, right? It's going to be Verity's failure combined with Blankenship's excellence or vice versa that causes there to be a winner and a loser in that position battle. And there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. And they want to win because if you win, you get paid, yo. And you continue to get paid maybe next year, the year after that. And maybe you develop a consistency in your approach and your plant foot and your swing and all of that that will allow you to continue to play for years and years and years and years and bring yourself some generational wealth. There's nothing wrong with hoping for that. There's nothing wrong with hoping you make all your picks and or kicks and doing everything that you can to make them, right? That doesn't mean you have to root for your opponent to miss. You don't. So don't. Um, bad, bad story in youth football. Uh, Yaqib Talib, he's the brother of Aqib Talib, cornerback, uh, retired in the NFL and is going to be a part of Amazon Prime's coverage uh, of the NFL this season. Yaqib shot and killed an opposing coach at a youth football game. Aqib and Yaqib evidently both coaching 
the North Dallas team, and this other guy coaching the other team. There was a dust-up, a fight, and Tlaib, Yaqib Tlaib, allegedly he's turned himself in and he's under arrest for the murder of the opposing youth uh, football coach. For the love of God, what are we doing? You know, do yourself a favor. A favor, sure. Go to a youth basketball game or go to a youth baseball game. Not high school, but Little League or, you know, one of the ad hoc groups. And sit with the parents and prepare to be absolutely disillusioned about humanity. You are going to walk out of that gym or away from that field believing that we are on the precipice of a behavioral implosion. And then you see uh, the reports of this story where a guy gets shot. What are we doing? Why would a youth football coach have a gun at a game? Why are we packing at games? For the love of God. Is it all you're trying to do? Look, if your focus in youth football, youth basketball, youth baseball, whatever, swimming, volleyball, lacrosse, if your focus is something other than the wonderful lessons that a kid or kids learn through uh, exploiting that event or those events and that activity, you're on your mind. That's the best part of the whole deal. Kids learn work ethic. They learn that hard work yields a positive result. That's what they learn. They learn camaraderie. They learn supporting one another. That, how about the little league kid? Gets hit in the head. And the kid uh, who got hit in the head is consoling the pitcher who hit him, saying, you know what, man, you're doing great. Just keep throwing. I, that's what it is. That's the thing. It's not about winning at all costs. Even in the NFL, it's not about winning at all costs. That's why they have rules. It's about the lessons that can be learned from that activity. That's what it is. And to focus on anything else, especially at the youth level, before people are making money. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate that evening. Is a tragedy. A human tragedy. So don't do that. Take a deep breath. And enjoy watching your kid. Because these days don't stick around forever. And you don't get to enjoy watching your kids forever. And once it's gone, it's gone. And you don't get to do it anymore. And it's joyous and wonderful. And the lessons are lifelong. And 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 create an environment for the kid where the kid's going to be able to succeed at a higher level because of those lessons. Think about that stuff. Uh, Pete Carrill died. He was the coach at Princeton. He taught people the backdoor cut. You know, almost beat Georgetown back back in the day. What was that, like 1988? Uh, Alonzo Mourning was on the team back then for, uh, for Georgetown, and Pete Carrill damn near beat him. Um, they did beat UCLA here at the 1996 NCAA tournament. Uh, beat him 43 to 41, and it was a beautiful thing because there's more than one way to win basketball games. And Pete Carrill was really, really good at teaching a way to beat a vastly superior athletic team, and it was wonderful. That's what it is. You can win all kinds of different ways no matter what game it is. And Pete Carrill was wonderful at teaching basketball. Coached at Princeton for 29 seasons, 
won 13 Ivy League titles, more than 500 games. Wonderful coach. And so many of the kids, not so many went to play in the NBA, but so many went on to a life of, uh, you know, wonderful success in large part because of the lessons that they picked up at Princeton under Pete Carrillo. So there you go. Breakfast with Ken tomorrow. We'll have a video. Great interview with uh, Mike Mitchell, the defensive backs coach, uh, that we did a little bit earlier this afternoon. That's why we're late in getting this done. But you get a chance to talk to Mike Mitchell. You talk to Mike Mitchell. It's what you do. He's a great dude, and he is going to be a force for real good where it comes to Julian Blackman and Nick Cross and Rodney McLeod and that whole group of safeties and DBs that uh, Mike Mitchell can communicate with on a level that very few can. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Breakfast with Kent right after the uh, Mike Mitchell interview, which we'll post.